morning we're going to talk about the power of the Spirit. And um, as you've noticed over the last couple of weeks, one of the things we've been doing is um, getting our fellowship more involved in our morning worship uh, by having people read our scripture passage this morning. Um, I have to apologize to those who I had, Gary and to Kevin. I picked a hard passage for us to start with. Those are difficult names. Um, But by the power of the Holy Spirit, even, we're able to get through that. Uh, So in very small ways and in big ways, we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit working. Adam and Nicole are people who saw the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life. Adam and Nicole are a young couple that a few years ago, with their one-year-old son, decided on one day to go for a bike ride in their neighborhood. So they strapped their son, Garrett, into his car seat on the back of Adam's bike, and they went for a bike ride. It was great as they went through the neighborhood. It was a beautiful day. And as they were passing one house, they noticed a husband and a wife who were out doing yard work. Uh, The wife flagged Nicole down, and they struck up a conversation. Uh, It turns out that that husband and wife who were doing yard work also had a one-year-old son. And a series of strange coincidences unfolded. Nicole and the wife happened to have a birthday that was right around the same time. Adam and the husband had birthdays that were a day apart. It turns out that their one-year-old son were born almost at the same time. Later on, Uh, This wife and Nicole would get pregnant again and have sons that would be born about the same time as well. Uh, Amazing coincidences. Uh, A relationship blossomed between these two couples. Uh, Nicole started coming and enjoying play dates. Uh, She eventually came to Bible study at the church. She eventually came to church. And Nicole came to know the Lord. Later on in Adam's life, um, as he saw what was happening with his wife, he started becoming involved as well. But he was a little more skeptical. And being a man, he said, you know what? If sports were involved, I might be more interested. Well, lo and behold, this church had a softball team that was just starting up. And Adam was an impeccable shortstop. So not only did he help the church softball team, but then he started coming to church. Adam came to know the Lord as well. And now, uh, Nicole uh, has served uh, on the women's committee at this church. Adam, over the years, has grown in his faith. He is now ordained as a deacon. And their family now has come to know the Lord. Um, The reason I share this story is because we can see the Spirit working powerfully in the lives of Adam and Nicole. But also I share it because of our personal connection to it. The person that stopped Nicole was my wife. Now the reason that she allowed me to share that story this morning is because it wasn't my wife that was just uh, so amazing in her testimony. It was the fact that she was praying for the Holy Spirit to use her in a powerful way in our neighborhood. And so lo and behold, who came by but Adam and Nicole? God uses us by the power of his Holy Spirit in mighty and in powerful ways. 
As we have read through Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and see the day of Pentecost, uh, we've been looking at this theme statement over the last, uh, last week and this week. The fact that God poured out His Holy Spirit in a spectacular way on the day of Pentecost so that His disciples could be powerful witnesses of the Gospel, fulfilling God's mission to the ends of the earth. We're going to see that again this morning. We're going to focus on the powerful witnesses that he calls us to, and we're going to focus on God's mission and what is God's mission. So first of all, let's start at the end, understanding what is this mission that God is calling us to, that God is calling his disciples to uh, in our passage. So God's mission is this is that the glory of God would fill the earth. It's a very simple message, a very simple mission, that God's glory would fill the earth. In a sense, why did God create the world? He created the world so that His glory can be shared with the entire world. Creation that He created was good, and it was perfect, and it was created so it reflect the glory of God. As we read last week in Genesis 12, verse 3, God blessed Abraham so that he would be a blessing to all nations, so that God's glory would fill the earth. Even in the prophets, we saw it in Isaiah, that the nations would see God's light. And what we see in the end in Revelation, we read in chapter 7, that there's this great multitude of people from every nation praising God and saying, holy, holy, holy. So we see from the beginning to the very end, God's mission is that His glory would fill the earth. And this is what He's doing on the day of Pentecost. He is pouring out His Spirit so that His glory would fill the earth. You know, if you look back before Pentecost, if you look at the history of the nation of Israel, it would seem that this was not God's mission. It would seem that God was using just a very small portion of his creation for his glory. If you think of just the nation of Israel and compare it to the rest of the world, it would be like Rhode Island compared to the rest of our nation. It's a very small part. And it seemed like God was only working there in the nation of Israel. But what he was doing was using Israel for his glory to the nations. And what was happening in the Old Testament in the nation of Israel was a foreshadow of what was to happen in the New Testament throughout the world. And we are seeing that and experiencing that even today. So a little history on the the celebration of Pentecost. It was a feast that was celebrated before Acts chapter 2. It was a feast of the Old Testament. It was a feast of the harvest. And that was the original intention of it, where the Israelites would gather together in Jerusalem. This is one of the, the few celebrations where they all gathered together in Jerusalem. And they would celebrate the fact that God had provided for them the harvest. And so they would celebrate this gathering in of of their food, of their provision, of the wheat. And so they would come together in Jerusalem and celebrate how God has brought in the harvest. 
Uh, later on, they added a celebration of God's giving of the law as well. So it was a celebration of God's giving of the law and a celebration of the harvest. And because our God is such a sovereign God, he designed the day of Pentecost, this feast of harvest, not only for the Old Testament celebration, but to be a foreshadow of what was to come. Just like he designed the day of Passover, the celebration. It was a celebration of their, uh, of their being uh, rescued or set free from slavery in Egypt, but it was to foreshadow our being set free from slavery to sin, and even further to foreshadow the fact that we will be with God forever celebrating the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven. Well, the same is true about the day of Pentecost, and it points to the day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out and there would be a great harvest, and it points to the final day when there will be a harvest from all nations uh, in Revelation chapter 7 that we talked about earlier. So, we're going to see two points this morning. I know normally we get a three-point sermon, but uh, we're just going to go with two this morning. One, we're going to see God's powerful provision and how He sovereignly works out all the details in the day of Pentecost and what that means for our lives today. And second, we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit. We mentioned it a little bit this morning with the kids, uh, the power the Holy Spirit had to allow the disciples to speak in languages. Uh, we're going to see that power this morning. But first, let's look at God's sovereign design in every detail on the day of Pentecost. You know, Pentecost was no accident. It was very purposeful. It was very calculated. And it happened exactly as God intended it to happen. You know, this was one of the few festivals, as I mentioned, where people came from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. So all nations were present. And if you think about what God was doing there, if his mission is so that his glory would fill all the earth, he does an amazing thing where he brings the whole earth together so that when he pours out the Spirit, all nations will be present. And not only do we have, they have the possibility of hearing the gospel, but when he pours out his spirit, he gives his disciples the ability to speak in tongues, in languages that others can understand, so that not only can they be there, but they can hear and understand. It's not like Mr. Steve was speaking to the kids here in Spanish in ways that we couldn't understand. Instead, the disciples were speaking exactly in languages that these men and women could understand. Not only that, there was the sound of wind, there was the tongues of fire that came, and what happened is that people from around there came running to the disciples so that they would hear the words of the gospel. And what we see is that God is so masterful in his design, he perfectly orchestrates these events. He perfectly orchestrates days and people and circumstances to achieve exactly what he intends to when he intends to do it. I've mentioned before that when I was in seminary, I took a year uh, and I was going full time. And then at that time, um, 
God stripped everything away from me in my life that I thought um, was true, that I thought, uh, I thought I had going for me. Um, I, had, I was engaged at that time. Uh, there was a broken engagement. I stepped away from seminary for a while, and I spent some time in the real world working as a full commission sales and then later in medical recruiting. Um, it was a time in my life where I felt like I was wandering. Um, I didn't know up from down. I didn't know what God was doing in my life, where I was headed. Uh, I didn't understand what was going on. I was just trying to figure things out in my life. Um, after a couple of years, God brought Stephanie into my life. Uh, soon after that, we got married. I was able to go back to seminary. At that point, I felt like my life was back on track. Okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And life was good. Graduation loomed near, and at that point, I had no job. I also had no prospects. And Stephanie was about eight months pregnant with Elliot. And so there was a lot of pressure. So one uh, Wednesday evening, I get a call from a Reverend Charlie Stakely. Um, it turns out uh, I had sent my resume to a church about two months prior, and he was calling in regards to that resume. They had an opening for a youth pastor position. He gave me a brief interview over the phone. They had their search committee there, and they asked if it was okay to do an impromptu interview. <laughs> I said, yes, <laughs> I've got nothing else. Please, let's do an interview. Um, they said at the end of that interview, would you be able to come this weekend uh, to come check out our church and do an interview here. Yes, I would love to do that. So we hopped in our car. We drove up to Evans, Georgia. They interviewed us, uh, and the rest, you could say, is history. Uh, God called us to that church. Uh, we served there for five years before coming here uh, to Little Rock. But my question for them was this. Why, after two months, did you finally call me? Um, and this was the answer that Pastor Charlie gave me said, well, we had seen your resume, and we kind of shuffled it to the side, but there was one person who wanted to hold on to it. His name was Scott. And the reason why he wanted to hold on to your resume was not because of my impeccable uh, references. It's not uh, my experience in youth ministry, the internships that I had done. The reason he wanted to hold on to my resume was that two-year experience where I was in sales and doing medical recruiting. The time where I felt like I was wandering in my life and I didn't know what God was doing. It was because of, it's because of that experience that my resume was held on to, that they conducted an interview with me, and then God called me to that position. You know, looking back on that, I can see now how God was orchestrating that in my life. You know, during that time, I had no idea. I felt like I was lost. And I know that as I talk with some of you in our congregation, I know that some of you feel that way right now. I know that some of you are in positions in your life where you feel like you do not know what God is doing. You feel like you are lost, like you are wandering, and you're wondering what is going on. I've been there. I know that. But based on what God teaches us here in the day of Pentecost... God is perfectly orchestrating our lives for his glory. We may not see it at the time, but he is working out days and events and circumstances in our lives 
so that he will use them for his glory. Even the hard places and the difficult things that we are experiencing, he is working them out for his glory. You know, we may not see it for a couple of years and not understand it. We may not even see it in our lifetime. But that doesn't make it any less true. And on top of that, what I learned from my experience is that God is redeeming our hard places. God is redeeming the difficult times in our lives where we feel like we have no idea what is happening. He is redeeming those hard places, and he is using them for his glory. And I am so grateful for that. So not only do we see God's perfect provision, his sovereign work in the day of Pentecost, but through his perfect provision, through his perfect timing, we see his power that is displayed through his disciples and through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, last week we talked about the fact that we are the frozen chosen. And this week we'll see that it is the Spirit that gives us the power to be witnesses of the gospel and to fulfill God's mission here on this earth. So how do we see God's power in this passage this morning? So first of all, we see it in the signs that are displayed through the wind, through the the tongues of fire, and through the languages. Uh, I don't know if you guys experienced, uh, it was about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, there was a tornado warning on one of the nights. So uh, it was about 11 o'clock. Stephanie and I heard our phones go off at the same time with that really loud alarm. Uh, And we both looked at each other and like, oh no, like what do we do? Like we had just fallen asleep. Our kids were asleep. like, do we wake them up? Do we get them together? So uh, we had an old mattress in our garage that we threw on the floor, and uh, we got our kids, and we just hunkered down there for about a half an hour and then uh, went back upstairs. Um, But you know what they say about a tornado, the sound that it makes. It's like a freight train coming, right? If you hear a tornado, it's like a sound of a freight train. I can imagine that's what the sound that these disciples heard on the day of Pentecost. It's a sound of like a freight train. Obviously, they wouldn't have known what a freight train was back then. But it's this amazing sound that that filled the room, so much so that people outside the room came running. So if that were to happen here, we have a gathering here of about 120, which is what the disciples had there, uh, very similar to the day of Pentecost. So imagine we were overwhelmed by such a sound that even the sound of my voice would be drowned out by it and that people in the surrounding neighborhood would hear it and come running to our fellowship and wonder, what is going on? And on top of that, they saw the tongues of fire that came down and descended uh, on top of the disciples. And then these disciples began to speak in languages that they had never, uh, maybe even never heard and never been taught. And we're going to focus on these languages this morning because this is actually really incredible uh, what God did through the disciples You know, last week I mentioned that we would talk briefly about the speaking in tongues. Um, Because God is a sovereign God and was perfectly orchestrating Pentecost, I believe that the reason that he gave his disciples the ability to speak in tongues is so that they could speak to the people who had been gathered. Uh, The pouring out of the Spirit doesn't always accompany, or the, the speaking in tongues does not always accompany the giving of the Spirit. It was a very particular time. Does that mean that God can give the gift of tongues? Absolutely. We don't want to limit God in that sense. But when God pours out his spirit, he gives us exactly what we need 
so that we can be powerful witnesses of the gospel. In this instance, he gave the gift of tongues, and he gave it to Galileans. Now, when you first read it, that's not a big deal. Like, okay, he gave it to this group of people from Galilee. But the Galileans, if you understand who they were, these guys were like the hicks from the sticks. These guys, um, if you understand um, Hebrew, the language, it's a very guttural language, and it's hard to speak. Um, if you look at my transcript from seminary, you'll know how difficult Hebrew is. That was one of my most difficult uh, classes that I took in seminary. It's a difficult language. And uh, Galileans were known for just simply butchering uh, the, the Hebrew language. When Peter denied Christ uh, the, day of his, the night of his trial, they knew him because of his accent, because of how poorly he spoke Hebrew. They could tell that he was a Galilean. So, uh, how does this display God's power? He chose and he used inarticulate, hicks from the sticks, Galileans, to speak these languages in ways that people could actually understand. These incredible different languages, they actually became articulate in so that people could hear the good news of the gospel. This is amazing power that God had poured out on them. They suddenly became fluent speakers of foreign languages. And we need to understand that these Galileans were just ordinary people like you and like me. You know, um, uh, in our nation, we're going to be changing the, the person who is on the face of the $20 bill. You know, no longer is it going to be uh, Jackson, it's going to be Harriet Tubman. She was an ordinary person who God used in extraordinary ways to help slaves through the Underground Railroad. Think of people like Rosa Parks, who God used in an amazing way in the civil rights movement in our nation. These are ordinary people that God used in extraordinary ways, just like he did with the disciples on the day of Pentecost. So how do we respond to God's power in ordinary people like us? So we respond in two ways. We respond in great joy, but also with great humility. With great joy and with great humility. There's a couple of reasons why God displayed his power through his disciples. And I believe that he displayed his power through his disciples because of weakness and because of worthiness. Because of weakness and because of worthiness. So first of all, because of weakness. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to put together Ikea furniture you've ever bought furniture from them, but those instructions that they give you are like a book, and it, it's, it's incredible, and it takes a really long time. Nick, I know you had to put some Ikea furniture together recently. It takes a while. I remember having to do it uh, a couple of years ago with a youth that was in my youth group, and it took us all afternoon to put those, uh, those uh, a dresser together. Um, but imagine if instead of Ikea furniture, someone were to advertise a dresser that you can put together, and it's so easy that a child could do it. Now, when you put together IKEA furniture, you can be boastful, like, wow, look at what I did, all these steps, and I completed it, and here it is. But if something's so easy that a child could do it, you really can't boast in that, right? So this is what God is doing when he uses the disciples. God uses the disciples in such a way that it's not the disciples that get the glory, it's God that gets the glory. 
He uses us in our weakness so that we don't look at the disciples as amazing witnesses. Instead, we look at the glory of God and how he used them. We look at the power of the Holy Spirit. When God uses us, he gets the glory because it's so impressive for God to use us in our weakness for his glory to be witnesses. But the other thing he does is he uses us because of our worthiness. And I think this is something that we often miss. And this is something that God has been teaching me a lot of recently. We have worth because of our creation. That God has made us in, our, in his image. That we have this imago dei in us. And we have a sense of worth simply because God has created us. Often I think that we have this false sense of humility, like, oh, you know, God can't use me as a witness. Like, I'm just, I'm just a terrible witness for him. Now, I don't want us to turn on the other side and get prideful and think, you know, I am somebody, and of course God can use me for his glory uh, because of my pride. But when we say, you know, oh, God can't use me and use this false sense of humility, One, we're affirming that God is not powerful enough to use us, but also we're not acknowledging the worth that God has given to us. We're not acknowledging our worth. You know, a lot of times I'm not a witness or I don't rely on the power of the Holy Spirit because of fear. I fear being exposed. Uh, I fear being vulnerable with another person. I fear being rejected and not accepted by them. And so because of these fears, I don't become a witness. But what I'm realizing in my story is this, is that I have intrinsic worth and value because of who God is and how God has made me. And my story is this, that I don't deserve God's grace because of my sin, But I am worthy of his grace because of how he has made me. And I am worthy to be accepted by him because I am his child. You know, I think that we struggle as witnesses because we don't see our own worth in God's sight. We don't see the fact that we are infinite and eternally valuable And so we think that we cannot be used by him to be witnesses, where in fact the opposite is true. We are created to display his glory and the glory of God through us. So God poured out his his Holy Spirit in a spectacular way on the day of Pentecost so that his disciples would be powerful witnesses of the gospel, fulfilling his mission in the world. And I believe that he is continuing to do that today. You know, I didn't use examples of great missionaries that have gone before us, guys like Hudson Taylor, William Carey, Jim Elliott. Um, I think that those are great examples, but I think sometimes that we get lost in those examples. Uh, We don't feel like we're called to the mission field like that, and so we think that, oh, that's for them. They're called to be witnesses, and we're called uh, to what we're called to. I think we get overwhelmed that if we're not a missionary, then we're not a powerful witness. But what I realized this past week is that Adam and Nicole would vehemently disagree with that statement. 
that God can and does use us as powerful witnesses here for the gospel. And sometimes the hardest thing to do is to speak Christ where we are. My prayer for us as a church is that God would empower us by the power of His Holy Spirit so that we would be witnesses of the gospel where He has called us to be. That we would understand what we talked about last week, that the Holy Spirit is real, that He has poured out in ordinary and extraordinary ways. I pray that we would understand that we are worthy witnesses of the gospel And I pray that the Holy Spirit would fall fresh on us. Um, As we conclude this morning after I pray, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to sing an old familiar song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. And I pray that as we leave this place this morning, that that would be our prayer. And I ask that you would sing it as a prayer, that God's Spirit would fall on us in a new and in a powerful way so that we would be witnesses of the gospel, and fulfilling his mission here, that his glory would fill the earth. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, as we're about to sing, we pray even now that your spirit would fall fresh on us, that we would see that in the day of Pentecost, you were sovereignly working out even the smallest details so that your plan would go forward exactly as you desired. And I pray that we would see that even in our lives. And I pray that we would understand that we are weak, but we are worthy witnesses of the gospel because of how you have made us and how you are redeeming us in our lives. And I pray that you would use us, Lord, for your glory to fulfill your mission here on earth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. By the power of your Holy Spirit.